Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Akun Wong, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me is my OG co-host, Ryan Whitfield. Hey, Ryan, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm just going to throw out the caveat pre, uh, right off the jump from the show here, uh, as I was just talking with you in the pre-show. Yep. My, my professional life couldn't be more busy right now, so... I just got home from the gym. I have a plate oh, of nice. in front of me, uh, and uh, and I'm going I'm going to be eating it because that's just life in the fast lane, baby. So yeah, uh, I love it. Throw it at me, and I got a mouthful of food. The audience, you know, that just that just is what it is. So I got the, the mic. I get to do what I want. So think think of it as a bonus, you know, because nothing makes for good radio more than eating. I think I think that's that's the number one rule. I think when you go on podcast, make sure you do as much eating as possible. The only thing better is if I just sat there and sipped on water and just kind of slurp water. For That'd be fun too. If you that. listen to enough sports radio, you know what it sounds like on the midday shows when people got food, <laughs> a mouthful of food. So uh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna eight mile it and call myself out ahead of time. And when you hear nice. that, that's my fork going back on the plate. So we've, we've addressed it. Move on and enjoy the show. <laughs> He's gonna own it. He's just gonna own it right off the front. That's the type of podcast we are. You know, and the funny thing is that, as you know, I was gonna uh, in the intro ask you about the. Uh, about the Oscars, because the Oscar nominations came out, and I was like, I haven't seen essentially any of these movies. But you know what? It was more fun talking about you eating during the podcast and talking about the Oscars, so I'm just going to skip it, man. <laughs> just, nothing's going to stop that. Nothing's going to stop that. Perfect. All right, That's we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> We're going to be talking about some takeaways from the divisional playoff game. Uh, we're going to be talking about the uh, upcoming AFC and NFC Conference Championship game and a couple other things as well, so let's get rolling. I kind of feel like you just have to eat during every show now, man. It's kind of like a thing. It's, I think that's our thing, having problems starting the show and you eating on the show. I think that makes us a winning combination right there. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Let's talk about those divisional playoffs, shall we? Because they were fun. In fact, I thought they were basically according to what I thought would happen, except for one. So let's start with the first one. That was on Saturday, January 20th, the Texans at the Ravens. Texans ended up winning. Uh, sorry, winning. They wish they did. Ended up losing 10-34 to to the Ravens. They were actually tied 10-10 into the half, but Lamar Jackson and the Ravens really pulled away in the second half, and that was that. So give us your takeaway here, Ryan, on this Texans at Ravens game uh, from last weekend. Yeah, um, I thought we were in for another bad weekend of football. Um, you know, <laughs> it was it was 10-10 at the half, but I think we all knew that it wasn't really 10-10 at the half. They had the, the, the pun return uh, on the Houston side towards the end of the right. half to, right. to tie it. But it was very clear that they were – that young Texans team across the board was a little bit overwhelmed by the moment. That Ravens defense uh, really kind of, uh, uh, you know, put, pinned its ears back, sharpened its fangs, whatever cliche you want to insert here. Um, right. And, and just in the second half put the game away. Um, I will say um, – I don't want to be a dead horse, and I and I haven't looked this up, and I don't want to uh, okay. sound like a hater because I actually there's a lot really, of caveats, really, really man. Want, I know <laughs> I really want Lamar to be good. I want him to win the Super Bowl this year outside of the Lions. Like that's I want the Lions or the Ravens, and so I right. want Lamar to get over the hump. I want Lamar to show it to me. And again, there's sites out there that grade big time throws, and I haven't looked yet. It didn't feel like a lot of big time throws. He had a good game. He had a fine game. 
But that yep. felt more to me about the opponent and his defense than it did about Lamar. And I know that sounds ridiculous in a game where he threw two touchdowns and ran two in, and he was good. I just yeah. didn't see it being about him. Now, again, he didn't lose anything. Um, so I'm still waiting to see that. This weekend, obviously, against a uh, Kansas City defense, well, maybe we'll see that finally. Um, yeah, I mean, keep, but, keep in mind, though, he did, even though he wasn't, you know, the thing of the game, I mean, he did. He was the first quarterback since uh, at least 1948 in the regular season or playoffs with at least two touchdown passes, two TD runs, 100 yards rushing, and 100 passer rating in the same game. So that's not too too bad. I kind of feel like maybe he just didn't need to be the guy against the Texans. Yes, yeah, this is not an indictment on him. It's right. The, the Texans didn't put up enough resistance against him for me to say, yeah, he, he, he overcame that. He won that in, in spite of what was going on, on the other side, right? And, like, um, and similarly on the other side, you know, C.J. Stroud, as, and I said the whole team because it is the whole team, but he was right. also not ready for the moment. I mean, Nico Collins couldn't get open to save his life. You know, again, I'm yeah. not going back and watch the All-22s, but any, any route that I was able to watch from the, from the broadcast and, 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 and lock in on him, I mean, there was, there was no separation there. And in a game where, you know, the Ravens were down Marlon Humphrey – uh, that was surprising to me. I thought they would put up a little bit more of a fight offensively than they did. I thought that young defense would get overwhelmed in the moment, and they did. Um, I right. thought the offense would show a little bit more, but they didn't. But, again, that's a young team. Got through the first round, got to the second round, so I'm not taking anything away from the Texans season. And I'm not taking anything away from Lamar as much as it sounds like I am. Just, <laughs> yeah. I'm still waiting to see that that moment where I go, that that was his christening. That was his breakthrough that's uh, it's completely different. Never question him in the playoffs again or his ability to do it in the playoffs again. I still haven't quite seen that. The stats were great. I just didn't think Houston put up enough resistance. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that as well. I mean, obviously, uh, C.J. Stroud, uh, it was a moment a little bit too big for him. Um, but, you know, he didn't take a sack. Uh, Baltimore defense is really tough. Um, but the Texans now dropped to 0-5 and five in divisional round playoffs. They are the, actually the only fr- franchise that hasn't reached a conference championship game. I actually didn't know that until I saw that recently. The other thing I want to note is that um, Jackson did face a career-high blitz rate of 75% this last weekend, which is interesting because there were a lot of changes and uh, modif- and, and they, they made a lot of adjustments during halftime. And before the half, he was, a, he was actually getting the same blitz rate but was letting go of the ball at 3.5, on average, 3.51 seconds after getting the snap. In the second half, he sped up the uh, release to 2.25 seconds, and uh, voila, uh, you know, 120 yards, two touchdowns against the Blitz in the second half. So um, they definitely know what they're doing in Baltimore. It's more than just the players. It's definitely the coaching as well. They're making the right adjustments. They're going to be a tough team to beat. They are definitely going to be a tough team to beat this upcoming weekend. But if there's any team that can be that team, it's got to be the Kansas City Chiefs. And I know the next game on the on the list is the uh, is is an NFC game, but let's talk about the other AFC game really quick. The last game of the weekend, which was Chiefs at Bills on January 21st, and that was the evening game. Boy, oh boy, what a tough loss for the Bills. Chiefs win 27 to 24 in Buffalo. Um, is a lot of a lot of blame to go around, but let me just ask you first: what are your what's your takeaway here with the Chiefs at Bills? Well, my first take. I, got a, I mean, I got a million, um, but um, <laughs> I guess I'll start with a kind of the finality one, which is Buffalo's window is always going to be open as long as Josh Allen is there. This current iteration of the Bills, particularly Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Stephon Diggs, that window is right. closed in my opinion. 
I think that right. they need to completely kind of go through a two- or three-year reset, which does not mean they will miss the playoffs or anything like that, but they'll, they'll go through a couple a couple down-year retooling before they're back. Um, so that's one. Uh, two, I, I don't think that Sean McDermott should still be the head coach here. Um, you know, I, I just I – just, there's something – it reminded it was really reminiscent for me of old Patriot uh, playoff games, which there's a there's a simple rule right that people never understood when they come into Gillette and, and, and I know this was in Buffalo, but the, when they play against the Patriots in the playoffs, which is Yeah. You can't play not to lose. You have to play to win. And by that I yeah. mean if you think you're going to go up against the greatest quarterback of a generation and match field goals for touchdowns or play the possession game or, you know, all the stuff, because we've all seen the metrics now, right? Like uh, uh, Buffalo won every category, yards, time of possession, turnovers, yeah. everything. The only thing they didn't win was the score. And, right. and that happens when you have an all-time generational talent at the other quarterback position. So sure. McDermott doesn't get it. Just like just like the Houston Texans never got it coming into New England, just like um, uh, the, the Indianapolis Colts when it was Chuck Pagano and Andrew Luck never got it coming into New England. Just like, honestly, Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger never got it coming into New England. There was one team that consistently got that you have to go and be aggressive against the Patriots in those years, and it was John Harbaugh and, and Joe Flacco. Go back and watch mm-hmm. the 2012 and 2013 AFC Championship. One, they lose on a – or sorry, 2011 and 2012. One, they lose on a Billy Cundiff missed field goal. The other one, they beat the Patriots going to win the Super Bowl. They were going right. for it on like fourth and two at their own 45 in the first quarter in those games or opting out right. of field goals at the Patriots 30 because they knew that you've got to put points up against them. So uh, McDermott doesn't get it, and especially in modern football doesn't get it. Um, so I thought they were way too conservative. That aside, I just want to touch on, on, the, on the Josh Allen thing, and I think I'm going to surprise people. But um, I've seen a lot of like laugh posts the last couple of days like you all thought it, that, that Mahomes – versus Allen is, is this generation's Brady versus Manning, but it's really Brady versus Phillip Rivers. Not true. Because <laughs> Manning didn't right. break through until like the fourth matchup in the playoffs or the third matchup. It took the 06 right. comeback for him to get through and get over that hurdle. Before that, the Patriots owned him. And so there's still time for Josh Allen. That's one. Two, the amount of attention that's going to him. This is Josh, uh, Josh Allen's playoff stats and 10 career playoff starts. And this was posted by Ari Meroff um, on Twitter. Who's a big football guy? I'm sure most of you know he is. But anyways, want to give him credit because I actually have it in front of me for once. 244 of 378, which is a 64.6 completion percentage. 2,723 right. passing yards, 563 rushing yards, uh, 16 receiving yards to throw in there as well. He has 27 total TDs and four total interceptions. The Bills are five and five in those games. It's not a Josh Allen problem. It's a problem that until this year they couldn't run the ball, and when they could finally run the ball this year, they don't have enough receiving talent, and their defense is old and injured. It's just like when they were when it was younger, it was it was too much on Josh Allen. They tried to round it out more this year, but now they don't have enough weapons in the passing game um, consistently because Gabe Davis is their wide receiver too, or Shakir, right. uh, whatever you want to say. Um, and then right. and then the defense is old and injured, and so. It, again, everyone wants – I'm a big proponent that it falls on the quarterback's shoulders. I just don't think in this case that this is a Josh Allen uh, edict or, or, or narrative on Josh Allen, or it should be. This is – the Bills have not built a good enough team to overtake the Chiefs. And, yes, Josh Allen is not Patrick Mahomes. And if you thought he was, I don't know what to tell you. Right. Well, I think they're different players. Um, I mean, I, they have their strengths. They have their weaknesses, obviously. And they can match blow by blow. And, honestly, this couldn't be any closer – uh, and, and I don't and I know a lot of uh, I mean, Tyler Bass has been getting a lot of uh, a lot of heat 
I don't blame him. I mean, obviously, uh, 44 yards is not a gimme, uh, and particularly in that weather and with the winds gusting at that level from left to right. I mean, and he just missed it exactly the way, same way. So, yeah, he should have hit it. True, but you know, I think that when they asked Josh Allen about it and he blamed himself for not putting him in, for putting him in that situation in the first place, is absolutely right. I mean, Josh Allen did put him in that situation, uh, like you said, conservatively throughout the third and fourth quarter. But I think concerning to me was that in that last series, right when they got down close to the red zone, you know, getting around uh, about 50 some odd yards out, then Joe Brady, offensive coordinator of the Bills, decides to bleed the clock down from 244 down to two. Um, you're not within field goal range, like, you know, surefire field goal range yet. Uh, I don't think you should be doing that at that point. Uh, and then they proceeded to take two shots at the end zone, essentially which made no sense to me, particularly on that second and nine when Stefan Diggs had a crossing pattern literally open in the middle of the field. But then they had two timeouts. I mean, Stefan Diggs, assuming he caught it, and that's no, no guarantee that that night, but assuming he caught it, which there was nobody around him, he might have been able to run that within the 10-yard uh, line, if not into the end zone. So uh, I, I did blame the play calling. I, I think that bleeding down the clock made no sense in that scenario. I think that I blame Josh Allen for not taking what the defense gave him in that last series. I think he should have been more aggressive earlier on, but I think that also was a play calling problem. Uh, so, and of course I think Tyler Bass should have hit the field goal, but that being said, there were a lot of other issues floating around, but th- they couldn't be any closer. Um, you know, I mean, the fact of the matter is that this should have gone to overtime um, and it should have actually been uh, it should have been interesting to see what happened after that. Well, I'll just stop you there. Cause I think that's the other part that's not being brought up. Isn't this the same isn't this the same matchup that a couple of years ago the Chiefs had, you know, whatever it was, 15 seconds to go kick three and they got it? 13 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> 13, right. They were about to give Patrick Mahomes the ball back with a minute 45. They were losing that game whether Tyler Bass makes that kick or not because they didn't manage exactly. it properly, to your point. They, yeah. they got conservative when it was too late to get conservative. At that point, they needed to pick up another first down to, A, guarantee they can make the kick and actually Absolutely. bleed the clock. They start bleeding the clock at the edge of field goal range in bad weather in Buffalo with, with right. 240 left in the game. Just dumb, bad play That's, management. Because, again, I'm sorry, Patrick Mahomes in that situation 100 at 100 times. And I'm very protective of Brady's legacy and being the best ever. So I don't want the Chiefs to come for that dynasty title. I don't want Patrick right. Mahomes to win six titles. Like, you know, this is this is an MJ <laughs> fan who doesn't want Kobe to get the six. Like, that's what me. Yeah, so I'm like, right there, I'm, man. Call a, call a spade a spade. Patrick Mahomes is taking that ball down your throat with a minute 45 and ripping your heart out. So this Absolutely. is not on Tyler Bass. He's the easy scapegoat, but he's the wrong one. Right. I totally agree. Okay. So the, so the Chiefs obviously move on. So that's a real bummer for those of, the, those of us who wanted to see the Bills get over that hump. But, hey. There's always next year, Josh Allen. There's always next year. Maybe you'll have different coaches this time around. Let's go back now uh, to Saturday and talk about that first NFC uh, divisional round game. Packers at the 49ers. 49ers win a really close one, 24-21. This one was really interesting to me um, because I obviously hate the Packers being a Bears fan, but I got to hand it to them. I mean, there was, uh, they were doing everything right. And 49ers were giving them every opportunity to take that game. But what's your takeaway here from the Packers at 49ers? Well, first takeaway is just that um, the Packers, unfortunately for you, have a bright future. Yeah. Um, Jordan, <laughs> I Jordan know. Love had a nice playoff run. Uh, I think it was three weeks ago I was mocking the, the, the broadcast. We're talking about all the young playmakers on the Packers offense when they were putting up like yeah. 17 points in a, one of the final games of the year. Um, I yeah. take that back. Now they're young, so they're not super consistent, but there's enough talent there. I'd still like to see them. I say I like to see them like I'm rooting for them. I'm not. Um, yeah. But 
they, I still think they need a true wide receiver one um, yeah. to really kind of shift the rest of it. But that, but outside of that, I mean, they got plenty of weapons up and down. Jordan Love again showed great. Um, and, you know, I think overall um, Packers a lot to be encouraged by not, no, not the result they wanted, whatever, but uh, yeah, that's on that side. On the other side, I don't McCaffrey believe in the, the 49ers. <laughs> that's what they, that's the other side. McCaffrey is a beast. I mean, like well, in the playoffs, yeah, but I just don't, I don't buy in this 49ers team. There's something, there's something there. Uh, it, whether it's a Brock Purdy limitation or ceiling uh-huh. that uh-huh. Is, is rearing its head when you get to this point, um, you know, and, and I think Purdy's been better than this. So I'm not saying yeah. they're the exact same player, but the, the Chiefs perform a Holmes with Alex Smith, right? There's a lot of talent, a lot of weapons. I'll get to the coaching in a second, but I'll call it good for the second. Um, good coaching, and uh, but maybe there's just a ceiling that they can't get through because this game, the Packers were a fun story, but the Packers should not have been that close on the road in that game. They just shouldn't. Right. Uh, right. Brock Purdy in, 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 in alternate weather conditions is, is not great. Um, and... Uh, there's, there, you know, and I think they play tight in these games, and I think Shanahan's always been that. Again, Dan Quinn took a lot of the heat, but don't forget who was calling the plays when the Falcons were up 28 to three on the Patriots, and sure. all they needed to do was bleed out the freaking clock. And this yeah. guy was dropping Matt Ryan back to throw passes over and over again, including on a series where he got a holding and a sack on back-to-back plays to put them out of field goal range that would have eliminated the game. All this stuff the Patriots did to come back in that. The Falcons were complicit, and the play calling of Kyle Shanahan was complicit. We've seen that in the Super Bowl a couple years ago against the Chiefs for the 49ers with Jimmy G. They have a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, and he just can't right. close the door. There's something there that's like situationally he's not smart enough. He's great X's and O's, great run schemer. Great offensive guy can coach up any quarterback in the world. There's something from the head coach position or time management or playing to the situation that he doesn't get mm-hmm. in Grafton that makes me not trust him. And to and to talk about the situational stuff, it's all lost now because it's all fun and games when you win. Uh, Chris Gasper of the Boston Globe saying I've used this on here before, but winning is the yeah. ultimate deodorizer. But sure. the whole thing between Greenlaw and um, uh, Warner after the game, where they're talking about how. Warner was teasing him that he needs to get a pick six, and that's why he was running around with the ball recklessly at the end of the game. You're up by <laughs> that three in a playoff game. Yeah. This this isn't week two. This isn't a yeah. cute story. It's Go not down, funny. man. Yeah. Like you're being dumb and reckless, and that's yeah. that's what the 49ers feel like to me a little bit. There's just something. There's all the talent in the world. They should be the favorite, you know, uh, along with the Ravens and, and the and the uh, Chiefs, just because of who the Chiefs are. Um, right. Like, I think those three are clearly on a different talent level than, than the Lions are right now, but I just right. there's something about them I don't trust. And it well, all I'll say this. From the top down. Yeah, I, I, told, I don't disagree with any of that, but I will say this, that what I, I, I learned a few things about the 49ers. Now, let's, let's all agree that the 49ers performed poorly uh, in that game outside of the last drive for Brock Purdy and basically Christian McCaffrey throughout the entire game because, I mean, he had 128 total yards, two touchdowns. Uh, he now averages over five career playoff games, averages 108.8 total yards per game and scores at least one touchdown per game. So um, CMC definitely putting the team on his back. But let me just say this. So in the entire time in which Kyle Shanahan has been head coach, how many times do you think the 49ers have come back from trailing entering the fourth quarter by five or more points outside of this game? I'll go less than five. 
Yeah, zero. <laughs> this was the first time. They have never actually, under Kyle Shanahan, um, been able to come back by trailing by five or more points entering the fourth quarter. So, I mean, it tells me that they have a little bit of fortitude here, that they were able to, to manage the fact that they were punched in the mouth by the Packers team who were playing with house money, really, and just playing really, really well. I mean, I, I would say above their head in many ways, but I think that they were they learned to use, and may, I'll put this on Jordan Love, he was able to identify the open guy, and it didn't matter who he was, right? It, it didn't matter that Romeo Dobbs didn't do anything in the back half of the regular season. He was going to be his superstar in two playoff games, and that's fine, right? It doesn't have to be Jaden Reed or Dentavian Wicks or Christian Watson, even who only got one reception that entire game. So I, I think that there is something to be said here about them maybe getting over that aspect of it. And of course, the Packers, I mean, they were fantastic. They started the first three drives and got them into the red zone, but they only came away with six points on three straight drives in the red zone. They got two field goals and one failed fourth down sneak. And, and, that, and they became the first team in 20 years to reach the red zone on their first three drives of a playoff game without getting a touchdown. You know, call it what you will. Maybe it was Jordan Love. Maybe it was inexperienced by the Packers. I'm going to credit the 49ers defense that they did not break, even though they allowed them to get that hot start because Jordan Love was, was hot. So I, I do think there is some things that they've learned from this I think getting this close game against the Packers will help them play in the Detroit play against the Detroit Lions and also play in the Super Bowl if they get there uh, because they're going to learn a lot from dealing with adversity because that's something they didn't have to do much of and they were not successful when they had to during the regular season Um, all right so that brings us up to the last game of the divisional playoffs which is the Buccaneers at the Lions the Buccaneers end up losing this one 23 to 31 Lions come away there uh, the big winners, and uh, it was a great performance by the Lions, but why don't you give us your takeaway on that game? Yeah, so um, one back point. Congrats to Kyle Shanahan for getting his first come-from-behind win. Uh, <laughs> of course, it came from Matt LaFleur, which is off the same tree. It might be uh, somebody I trust even less situationally, but you know, <laughs> right. we'll, we, won't, we won't spoil that for him. That it, yeah, that's uh, right. Matt yeah, yeah, you can take what you get. To get over that. Um, uh no, I uh, for this game, I mean, there's not a lot to say on this one just because I, I it was closer than it should have been. You know, the, the Buccaneers fought to the end. Um, you know, I think uh, I think the Lions were just a superior team. Um, yeah. And I, and I don't think Todd Bowles is a great coach. I think that's a bigger problem in Tampa. I didn't think he was great in the, as the head coach in the, for the Jets. I don't think he's great here. Um, and uh, Again, I get I get analytics. I get why you go for two and all that. I don't love it in that situation. If I'm being no, honest. I don't either. Um, it's just because you know somebody put out. Uh, I think it might have been Greg Bedard um, from the Boston Sports Journal who tweeted out that like, you know, the people who are anti-analytics always miss the analytics is situational. Yeah. But the people, but the people who are pro-analytics always miss that. You know, missing that two-pointer, there's there's a momentum emotional effect of it. Absolutely. And so, That's so a lot of math still math, obviously. But now right. you know that you got to go get the touchdown and the two and crap, something we just felt good about. Now we feel bad like a, about. And it feels like a big yeah. wall. Absolutely. So there's, a, so there's a momentum swing there. And so that's the part the analytics miss, misses, right? And so um, that's why you still got to have a feel for the game. So I don't love that part of it. But um, beyond that, I mean, again, the, the two things that I don't love – or the one, the, I guess the two big takeaways for me, I, I like the Lions. I think they have a legitimate shot this weekend. We'll talk about that. But yeah. um, 
I don't love how they've kind of played with their food a little bit in these yeah. two games. Like both yeah. both games have been tough, and I and I don't think that they're so talented that they should be blowing these teams out. But I thought they could have taken a little bit more care of the Bucks. Uh, and then my second point, uh, and I don't I don't know when I became a, a, a Baker Mayfield apologist, but <laughs> I thought this run was too good and too fun, and this year was too great for him. Yeah for him to go out on an interception like that. So yeah, me too. Losing it, I think was inevitable, but I, but I was, I was severely bummed. I wish he didn't throw that. I actually actually like Baker Mayfield. I like Baker Mayfield actually. And, uh, and it's, uh, it was unfortunate to see it go out that way. You're right. He had, he had such a great run with such low expectations of what they were going to happen what what the Buccaneers are going to be this year. Uh, so bravo, uh, Baker Mayfield. I will say this. Well, the one takeaway I have here is that the Lions defense actually came to play. I mean, that's obviously where their shortcomings are. They have the third worst pass defense in the NFL. Um, but Baker Mayfield, he was sacked four times for th- minus 30 yards. Uh, you know, and I said, like I said, the defense is like the fourth worst pass defense in the league. So the fact they could get after Baker Mayfield and do that, that really did change the, the game. It, it pushed them out of the opportunity to go forward and forth down once. It pushed them out of the opportunity for a field goal once. It, that was very meaningful in the outcome of this game. And, of course, the two interceptions were uh, one of which was game ceiling, but two of them uh, absolutely changed the, the, the game as well. I, I agree. Uh, I don't like the playing with the food thing. They were exactly mirroring what the Buccaneers were doing to the first three quarters. You know, field goal, touchdown, touchdown. They both did exactly the same thing. Uh, and it came down to that fourth quarter where they finally looked like they're going to take over because, you know, at that point in time, I didn't think that that touchdown by Baker Mayfield was going to turn anything around, even if they had made the two point conversion. Um, but that being said, you know, uh, it wasn't, they didn't look dominant till that fourth quarter. And that is a little bit troubling to see how that's going to show up. When talking about the, the conference championships though, I mean, cause that's where we want to go here. Let's turn to that because that's fun. And that first one is going to be this Sunday, January 28th at 3 p.m. Eastern. Kansas City Chiefs at the Baltimore Ravens. The spread is three and a half in favor of Baltimore. Over under at 44 and a half. Weather looks pretty decent. Doesn't look horrible. So what do you think here? Kansas City at Baltimore. What are your thoughts about how this is going to line out? And what do you think uh, is going to happen in terms of prediction? Um. <clears throat> Sorry, I had to take a sip of water because, as we know, I'm eating. Um, and <laughs> I just had a mouthful. I just had a mouthful of falafel, so that was uh, quite dry. I almost choked there. Um, oh, nice! And now, now we even know what you're eating. This is even better. This is great radio. Oh yes, I went. I went to Whole Foods and I got a nice Mediterranean spread, and it's uh, it's it's very delicious. Um, you know, as, as much Whole as a Foods, as a at a grocery store you. can be. We, now Whole Foods owes us money for plugging them on their online online here on the radio. So, uh, but well, all right, go ahead. What what do you got here? Cheese and Ravens. Well, again, some falafel, some hummus, some chickpeas, and some rice at 17 bucks. <laughs> so maybe we don't give them too much credit over there. But um, okay. <laughs> anyways, uh, no, I think uh, – um, I mean, again, right, it's the, the home team is a three-and-a-half-point favorite, which we all know the home field is a three-point swing in the world of betting. So right. it's essentially a pick em, uh, which is which is, which is scary um, because I, I, I hate to say it, but not just Mahomes. But Kansas City's playing their best football of the year right now. They Across sure are. Across the board, they just they look different. And again, I keep, I, I know people are probably annoyed at me always bringing it back to the, the 20 years of the Patriots because it's like move on, it's over. But I just like I watched this firsthand to know what it looks like, and it's like even in your down years, you know, people start prophesizing the end, and Kelsey's too old, and 
There's Andy Reid Silva's fastball. Mahomes never had to go on the road, and they have no weapons. And then ho-hum, here they are in the AFC Championship game, and it's basically a pick you know, if it was on a neutral site. And it's just like – and so now you're talking about who you have more faith in because this is, this is where the quarterback becomes extremely important to me. Who do you have right. more faith in, Mahomes or – uh, or Lamar, and again, as again, it's gonna, uh, people are going to listen to this and think I'm just slandering Lamar, which I'm not, because again, I love him. But <laughs> right. If it's Lamar or it's Patrick Mahomes, who do I have more faith in? Uh, yeah. Whether it's here on Mars or underwater, it's Patrick well, Mahomes. Mahomes. Done it so, <laughs> so yeah. So I just like, um, you know, it's really, really, really hard. My heart is telling me Baltimore's going to get this done because that defense is is so good and. Um, and uh, with a lot of journeymen too out there. Like again, I, oh, yeah. I keep reminding myself every time I watch Baltimore that Kyle Van Noy still plays football and like <laughs> and is playing at a decently high level, which is wild to me. Um, I remember, you know, uh, week seven he was still like tweeting out like no one will, ha- no one's giving me a call yet or whatever. Like so to see him here is just insane. And uh, so there's that. Um, and you know, and I but but the defense is really good. You know, for as much as Arrowhead and uh, the Buffalo Stadium, which I always they, they've they've changed it now. And it used is it Highmark now, or it used to be yeah. Highmark, or whatever. It's Highmark. Yeah. Anyways, all right, Highmark, uh, whatever Seattle's called now. But you know, like some of those teams <laughs> get a lot of credit for the environment. Like that Ravens environment is legit, and we oh, saw yeah. it last weekend. So they're so they're one of the few teams that has a legit home field advantage in in the sport. So they have all that, and they have a good coach, a tenured coach who knows what he's doing, right? This, like as I just mentioned earlier about knowing not to be conservative against the Patriots and Brady all those years. Like Harbaugh is a guy that I think can stand toe to toe against the Mahomes Reed combination and stuff. So this is really to me going to come down to, I think this is the game with Lamar. This is, and it's early in his career, and I know that, but this is a legacy game, in my oh, opinion. Yeah. If if he goes out and loses in a close one, then we'll say what we said about Josh Allen, which is he's good, he's not good enough. Um, if if uh, he goes out and he's really bad, well, then you have some huge questions. But let's think on the positive side. If he goes out and has a massive game, and now he's going to a Super Bowl with a chance to win it, had a big show-us-something game against the Chiefs, wins his second MVP, wins a Super Bowl – I mean, I think you can at that point pretty much assume that Lamar Jackson's a Hall of Fame player. And, yeah, and, and we've seen that in real time. So this is one of those pivotal moments in a career, um, which I hope Lamar's not thinking about because that would probably come out and have the opposite effect in the game. Um, <laughs> right. But this is, this is a really pivotal moment for him. So, again, it's essentially a pick em. I'm going to just pick with my heart and hope and, and, and say the Ravens in this one. But if, yeah. I really had, if you really forced me to put money on it, I'm putting it on 15 and, and the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I I think that the key to the game here, uh, it, it, and you said it right there, that the defense for Baltimore has got to stand up, and it'll be interesting to see how they address that because they have the sixth best passing defense and the number one uh, defense in terms of scoring. They only allow 16.5 points per game during the regular season, so they are absolutely monsters. And they have a plus 12 turnover differential, which is best in the NFL. So they, they're careful with the ball on offense. They're very opportunistic on defense. They have the sixth best passing defense. They, they allow the, the least amount of points scored. The only perceived possible vulnerability in that defense is the run game. Uh, they allow the 14th most rushing yards in the NFL during the regular season. That's not even that bad. But, you know, the, the, you know, the fact of the matter is Isaiah Pacheco will be key here. And the flip side of that is also going to be important because – 
the Ravens have the number one rushing offense in the NFL and the one like vulnerability, if they had to be one in the Kansas City Chiefs defense is against the run game. They're 17th, allow 113.2 rushing yards uh, per game. They allow the fourth least passing yards, which is interesting, but it doesn't really matter because that's not really what um, Lamar Jackson's game is anyway. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I, I can imagine that they're going to have a lot of Kansas City, uh, you know, Chris Jones, George Karlaftis uh, blitzing, uh, trying to get pressure on Lamar. We saw how they were able to adjust for that when Houston blitzed at a rate of 75%. Uh, he managed to easily adjust in the second half and take care of business. So I don't think that's going to be, um, I don't think that's going to be uh, going to be anything that's going to slow him down. The only thing that's going to slow him down is himself, right? You know, it looks like Mark Andrews is potentially likely to, or likely to be back or potentially to be back. That's, that'd be a huge boost for him. But Isaiah likely was great anyway in his stead. So I do think that this is going to be Lamar Jackson, more of a mental game. He's going to have to stick to the plan and be consistent, continue to move the ball. I, we've seen the Ravens stall a lot in the regular season and settle for really long field goals in the leg of Justin Tucker, like, you know, 52, 53, 54. You're not going to be able to do that with the Kansas City Chiefs, no matter how good your defense is. Patrick Mahomes is a magician. He can find a way. Uh, I will pick the Ravens as well, but I don't feel super comfortable about it. All right. Let's go ahead and talk about the last game of the – I mean, well, I should say the other game of the of the weekend, and that's the Lions of the 49ers. This is going to be really interesting to me. Um, 6.30 p.m. on Sunday, January 28th. Uh, right now the spread is San Francisco by 7, and the over-under is 51.5. Uh, great weather, 69 degrees in California. What do you think here, Lions of 49ers? on the mute button there um <laughs> i thought you were eating more falafel i thought the falafel just kind of no, 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 out of your mouth I, so you couldn't talk anymore and it, that's what that was no, my I, guess. I had some i had some chicken in there too so don't don't worry oh, okay. everybody. i got my protein <laughs> in pro, pro, post gym tonight uh awesome, probably, awesome. Too, probably too much you think you went to the gym. but uh <laughs> <laughs> anyways uh um yeah i mean we're talking this about is, football. This is this is the 49ers. Well, you know, we can do both. Uh, no, this is a 49ers game to lose. Um, and, uh, you know, this is a, this is also, again, kind of um, not not a legacy game, but probably an era game. Um, yeah. There's some interesting different storylines. So similar to what I said with the Bills. Now, they don't have the same age problem, but if I'm Lynch or ownership in San Fran – and this team again doesn't get over the hump. You, you have to start asking the tough questions. Is my coach the guy? Um, is this quarterback combination, uh, you know, is this quarterback, you know, the right guy for the room? Do we need to do we need to make a big move at quarterback? Um, you know, you can't just. And I know that some people get mad at that take that, like, well, you know, eventually you'll break through, and like, you, you can't be impatient. But I mean. I know it's Jimmy G to now Brock Purdy, but that, what was that? That was the 2019 Super Bowl, right? That the that the Chiefs mm-hmm. beat uh, beat beat them. So I mean, the the, the 49ers been knocking at the door for five years. Yeah. If they don't get through this year, you know, and if you go there and you lose to Mahomes again, I think that's a different story. But if you lose at home to Detroit again, that that's the time you got to start making some shakeups. You got to figure it out. You got to you got to. You got to cross sports, which is always dangerous. But like, um, you know, uh, last year, I think we saw it come down a little bit finally, but or, or at, at that point. But like, 
the Yankees over the last five or six years with that core with, with judge and with Boone at the helm. And, uh, why am I drawing a blank on the other power hitter? Uh, this is why I don't do this live on air. Whatever. Um, <laughs> that guy. Jesus. The, the Florida Marlin that came over years ago. Why? I'm, I can't do it right now. Anyway, Giancarlo Stanton? Thank you. Giancarlo Stanton. Thank you. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> you got Stanton and Judge and, uh, you know, that, that young nucleus and, and the coach. And they, and they didn't want to shake it up. And they kept getting to the playoffs and getting to ALCS and not getting through. There is, and then now it feels like it's probably on the on the diminishing return side, and right. I think that's what the 49ers are in danger of. Again, if you go there and you lose to Mahomes, different conversation. But if you lose this game, and honestly, even if you lose to the Ravens in the Super Bowl, I'm taking a hard look at, at everything. Everything is on the table, and if I'm the ownership, that includes John Lynch and and the, and the front office. It, ha- it has to be done. You can't knock at the door for five years and never break through outside of losing to Patrick Mahomes twice, at which point you say – well, that is somebody who's on pace to challenge the guy who's the greatest in the in the history of the sport. So that's different. But um, so outside of that, so there's a lot on the line for the for the for the 49ers in this game. If I'm the Lions, it's the exact opposite. They mm. have now, into my in my opinion, have had a successful season. We thought they'd take a leap this year. They did. They took a they huge leap all the way to the NFC Championship. They took care of business, uh, even though me and you both don't like how they were quote unquote playing with their food in those two games, which they were. <laughs> but right. they got through. Right at the end of the day, they won, and again, they don't have such a huge talent gap over those teams that they that they should have blown them out of the water. So they did what they were supposed to do. They won. They're here. They're playing with house money. I think there's a potential you come out at least early in this game and see a very stiff, rigid, nervous 49ers team and a very loose, hungry, fun team for the Lions. Yeah. Um, I think often you 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 would expect the opposite in the situation that if the road team can survive that initial blow from the home team then we got a game. I think it's the other way around. I think if the 49ers can, you know, prevent some kind of like 14 to nothing start where they're down to the lions. And then all of a sudden they fumble at their own 35. And now the Lions have the ball approach like that. I think that situation is very possible. Now, mm-hmm. if it goes the way it should go, this isn't a game because the 49ers kicked the shit out of the, the Detroit lions. Um, right. But again, I think there's some, I mean, of other factors over there and, this one's interesting for all the reasons the other one isn't because as good as Goff has had a, has had as good of a season as Goff has had, mm-hmm. he's closer to Case Keenum in the in the playoffs for the Vikings all those years ago than he is Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, right? So right, again, right. it's a nice story, just like Baker was a nice story, but we're not talking about true top ten quarterbacks here. And Brock Purdy's an interesting case study because I'm not even going to touch that landmine. You know, people get mad at you if you call him a game manager. Other people get mad at you if you call him a star. It's, is it the weapons? Is it the system? Is it him? It's probably a yeah. combination of all of it. Probably a combination, honest. yeah. But but again, I don't think that I don't think that anyone is sitting there saying on a talent. If we were going to redraft all the quarterbacks in the NFL right now, no one is saying Goff or uh, or Purdy are our top ten quarterbacks. Anyone right. who doesn't live in Detroit or San Francisco, that is <laughs> right. As much as you like the story of Brock Purdy, and I love the story of Brock Purdy, but but that being said, I, I totally agree. I, I think this is going to be a really interesting game, but it's really going to come down to the gunslingers. I do think that Brock Purdy has to step up. He had a really bad game against the Packers. He had one good series. That was the last series of the game. It's it, fortunate that that's the one that counted that made the difference in the game. But um, And they, they could have lost it still because Jordan Love was on fire. Uh, but that being said, Brock Purdy's got to step up in this game against the, uh, against the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions do have a little bit of a vulnerability on defense when it comes to protecting against the pass. They are 27th in the NFL in terms of 
rush uh, passing yards allowed to opposing uh, offenses. That's 247.4 yards per game in the regular season. So they, they allow a lot. And they are also 23rd. They allow a lot of points as well, 23.2 points per game. So um, that's, uh, that's in the top 10 in terms of points allowed. So they, they have to step up but they have to stop Brock Purdy and they're going to have to stop dump offs to Christian McCaffrey. Like I said, I think he's a beast. Christian McCaffrey can basically put the team on his back, but Brock Purdy's got to show up on the other side of this. I think this is going to have to be Jared Goff's best game of the season because the defense for the San Francisco 49ers is ferocious on all aspects. The one vulnerability, if you want to call it, that is on the pass defense 14th in the NFL, 214.2 yards allowed per game. So it's possible and Jared Goff has got to be absolutely spot on. Amon Ross, Sam Brown's got to be absolutely spot on. Sam Laporta's got to be spot on. You've got to see a lot of Jameer Gibbs, I think, um, catching some passes, screens, and so on. If they can make that happen and they can slow down the 49ers a little bit, uh, they can make it happen. But I, I do think the 49ers are just a better, more well-rounded team than the Detroit Lions. Uh, I, I want the Lions to win. I think the 49ers are going to end up taking this, though. I think they're going to find a way, um, if nothing else on Christian McCaffrey and on Brock Purdy not making mistakes. That's my thought. All right. So that brings us to the end of the show. And a little bit a little bit of overtime, but not too much. Let's hit the air horn on the show. All right, Ryan, why don't you give us your social media so people can follow you? Yeah, I'm going I'm, I'm just going to double dip in overtime a little bit more. The other two things we didn't mention, Debo Samuel okay. being injured. Uh he did return to practice today, so that will yeah. be That's certainly right. a factor. The other part, you talked about the pass defense, and I didn't name this either, but Amon Ra St. Ra uh, was, uh, according to the Fox Sports site, was the second yep. uh, was the second leader in yards after catch this year. I think I don't think he's been particularly dy- the dynamic in the, in the postseason so far. No, this needs to be no. a big Amon Ra St. Brown game where get totally. the ball in his hands and he needs to create after the catch. Um, all right, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryan Whitfield N E. Uh, my alternate account is what the F is Nick Sirianni still doing on the Eagles staff? Uh, so follow me on either one of those. Let me tell you, all the Eagles fans feel the same way, Ryan. You are not the only one out there who feels that way anymore. It is, it is now everyone in the freaking country that feels that way right now. So you don't, you, you that 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 uh, that uh, Twitter name X name might be taken 60 times over. You might have to take like Nick Sirianni should be fired. What the F is Nick Sirianni doing on the team? 28 or 328 or something. <laughs> All right. Hey, we're brought to you by Manscaped. Get 20% off free shipping with promo code garbage time at manscaped.com. Also brought to you by BetUS. Receive a 25% sportsbook bonus upon initial deposit. Use the link in the podcast description to get this special offer. Once again, you can find me on FB Garbage Time on Twitter. X. You can find me at the Football Garbage Time page on Facebook. And thank you, everyone, for coming out listening to us and wasting time with us. Until the next time, enjoy your NFL week and those AFC and NFC Conference Championships. Come back next week to find out what I eat. <laughs> I got my money on bologna. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spice it up for next week, though. All right, all right. All right. <laughs>
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.